Well, good morning, church. It's a, um, it's a pleasure to worship with you here this morning, the congregation of God's people here at Eastside. And um, before we get started, I want you to turn in your, um, turn in your Bibles to Matthew, the 18th chapter. We're going to spend a good bit of our time towards the end of the lesson in that passage there. <clears throat> and um, you'll want to mark that. We'll we'll get some other um, we'll get some other scriptures before then. Uh, just to kind of set the stage, uh, this morning this lesson is um, more of a topical lesson uh, than it is an in-depth dive into scripture. Uh, what I want to do with you this morning is to uh, is to meditate with you on our topics. Um, one in particular has been uh, very, uh, very deep on my mind uh, recently, and so uh, I'm excited to share that with you towards the end of the lesson this morning. Um, but uh, we've got to get through this first part first. Uh, I want to share a, um, a short story that's been making its rounds on the Internet. You may, have, um, you may have read it, you may have seen it, maybe not. It's a conversation between a son and his dad. The son says, Daddy, may I ask you a question? Dad says, yeah, sure. What is it, son? Daddy, how much do you make in an hour? Uh, that's none of your business, son. Why aren't you asking me that? Well, I just want to know. Please, please tell me. How much do you make in an hour? If you must know, I make $100 an hour. Oh. Son says with his head down. Daddy, can I borrow $50? Father was furious with his son at this point. He said to him, if the only reason you asked is so you can borrow some money for some silly toy or some nonsense like that, then you need to march yourself straight to your room and think about how selfish you're being. I don't work so hard every day to put up with this kind of childish behavior. Little boy quietly, sheepishly, went to his room and shut the door. The man sat down and started getting angrier and angrier, thinking about this little boy's question. How dare he ask such a question? Only to get some money. But after an hour or so, he calmed down, and he started to think, well, maybe there's something that my son really needs. Uh, and after all, he doesn't really ask for money all that often. So uh, he went to the boy's room and opened the door and asked, son, are you asleep? He said, no, daddy, I'm awake. Said, so I've been thinking, maybe I was a little too hard on you earlier. It's been a long day, and I took out my aggression on you. Here's the $50 you asked for. He gives him the $50. Son sits straight up in bed, smiling, excited. He says, oh, thank you, Daddy. Then reaching under his pillow, he pulled out some more money and crumpled up bills. Dad starts to get angry again. He says, why aren't you asking me for more money if you already had some? The son says simply, well, because I didn't have enough, but I do now. He says, Daddy, I now have $100. Can I buy an hour of your time? Please come home early tomorrow. I would like to have dinner with you. The father was crushed. He put his arms around his little boy, and he begged for his forgiveness.
unfortunately, the reality is that relationships between fathers and children are not always perfect. Uh, sometimes they're even abusive. They don't necessarily end with dad thinking over his thoughts and going and apologizing and asking for his child's forgiveness. But there's another unfortunate truth, um, and that's where we're going to start our lesson today. Uh, for those of you who are tuning out already, because you have excellent fathers and you have no problems whatsoever, um, I've got unfortunate news. Uh, we've all got daddy issues. Maybe not in exactly the way that we're starting out talking about fathers and sons here on earth, but we've all got daddy issues. So uh, let's define the phrase. Uh, daddy issues is commonly used uh, to describe someone with an unhealthy relationship with their father and also uh, a reference to the psychological impact and behavioral patterns that someone with those type of problems might show. Um, but we're not really going to talk about fathers and sons, mothers and daughters today in depth. Um, we're going to pivot here because you don't typically get to choose your parents. Um, you're born to them or adopted into their families, and that's it. Those are your parents, and you have to deal with it good, bad, or ugly, right? But you do get to choose your spiritual father. And so that's where we're going to spend our time uh, for the bulk of the lesson today. So biblically, we're all children of one of two fathers. Now, this might come as a shock to some, because we all think about being children of God, we're created by God, and so everybody's a child of God. Well, um, that's not true. The first choice, obviously, is Father God. But the second choice is the devil. In Galatians 3, verses 26 and 27, uh, let's turn there, and we'll read that. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's a caveat here that is put on being a child of God. On having Father God as your father. Right? Uh, and that's entering into the body of Christ. That's being baptized into Christ. Turn over to John, the 8th chapter, and we'll spend a little bit of time on this wild option of the devil as our father spiritually. John, the eighth chapter. And beginning in verse 42. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? 
is because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Now, I only mention this kind of passingly because uh, I think our audience here this morning uh, is full of people who would certainly choose Father God as, as our spiritual father. I think it's pretty obvious the kind of daddy issues that would arise from choosing Satan as our spiritual father. But it is a choice, and let's be clear about that from the very beginning. It is a choice. So we'll shift our focus now to the ideal relationship with the father that we do want, Father God. God is the perfect father. So where are you going with this, York? How can I, how can I have daddy issues, as it were, with a perfect father? He doesn't make mistakes. I don't need to ask him, or he doesn't need to ask me for forgiveness, right? Well, do I have a perfect relationship with, with God all the time? I think, I think if we're honest, we'd, we'd say certainly not. Because we're not perfect. We're not perfect, and the devil knows that we're not perfect. And in 1 Peter 5 and verse 8, we're very familiar with this passage. Who is the devil? What does he do? He's our adversary. He's our enemy. He's prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking to devour each and every one of us. Well, he does that by separating us from who is supposed to be our father. Right? Who we're supposed to choose to be our father. We also know in Romans 3 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When we do fall short of the glory of God, we, we tend to choose to separate ourselves from God. This is where those, those unhealthy relationship aspects between us and God can rear their ugly heads. So I've got a short list of things that we do uh, when we when we start to abuse that relationship with Heavenly Father. We withdraw from Him. Um, there's various ways where that can manifest, right? Um, we, stop, we stop talking to Him in prayer. We stop uh, reading our Bible. We stop thinking about spiritual things. We stop going to church. Um, maybe it's just straight-up ignorance. Maybe we just straight up ignore everything. We still just go through the motions, right? You're still, you're still here Sunday morning. Praise God. You sing the song. You pray the prayers. You partake of the Lord's Supper. But your heart's not in it. You've, you've withdrawn from God. You're there, but you're not there, right? We blame God. This usually doesn't happen when we sin. We usually don't blame God for us sinning. I think, I think we're all, uh, most of us are mature enough to recognize that God doesn't cause us to sin. So we don't necessarily blame him for that. But 
we do blame him for the result of sin. Right? Every single bad thing that happens on this earth is because human beings brought sin into the world. Every single bad thing. It's not from God. We know every good and perfect thing comes from God. And the opposite is true. Every bad and terrible and wicked thing comes from the father of lies, the devil. Right? There's that binary choice again. We refuse to ask God for forgiveness. Um, this is often because, I think this is, this is a, I could probably spend a whole lot more time on this one point right here, but I'm not going to. But one of the, one of the most difficult things I think we're called to do as Christians is to forgive ourselves. We are so hard on ourselves. We are harder than God is on us. We got to stop that, church. Because you make a liar out of God if you do. Obviously, God's not lying. But when you act as though you're not deserving of God's forgiveness, which you're not, but God gets to make the rules, you understand, right? God's the one who says, if you come to me and you obey my son Jesus, I'm going to forgive you, period, full stop. I will remember it no more. Do you remember your sins? Do you hold your sins against yourself? Do you hold sins against other people? I'm jumping a little bit ahead of myself, but when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, Lord, forgive us as we forgive those who sin against us. How forgiving are we of others? How forgiving of we, how forgiving of ourselves are we? It's a difficult thing to do. It's a difficult thing to do. And it's almost impossible to ask God for forgiveness if you can't forgive yourself. So we've established that even with a perfect father, holy God, uh, we still have something of daddy issues in the sense that we don't, we don't maintain a healthy relationship with father God all the time, right? We're not perfect. And that relationship is not perfect because of that, right? So how do we ensure a healthy relationship with father God? We're going to look at a couple of examples. Um, that Jesus taught, and uh, we're going to look at practical solutions that I, I want us to implement today, because uh, we, we certainly can. And so, um, the first of those points is one that should be very, very familiar with us this year, because of our theme here at Eastside, to become a house of prayer. So the first thing we're going to talk about, uh, again, we're going to talk about two, two, two things that are going to help us to maintain this healthy relationship with our Father, God Almighty. Jesus talked to God often. Jesus prayed a lot. He showed us by example. He taught us how. I'm going to list off several here. So in Luke, in Luke 3, Jesus prayed during his own baptism. 
And it was while he was praying that God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That was a detail that I did not, did not register until last night in my mind. I just always glossed over that. Jesus was praying in that very moment. Jesus prayed for himself in John the 17th chapter. He prayed, he prayed that God glorify him so that he could glorify the Father. Further in that prayer, he prays for his disciples, and he prays for all believers, including us, in the future. Jesus prayed in the garden. Jesus rose early in the morning, specifically to go out and pray. Before everybody else was awake, Jesus made it a point to make time in the, in the calm of the morning to pray. Jesus made it a habit. Uh, Luke 22 tells us it was a, it was his custom. He was praying there on the Mount of Olives. I said it was his custom to go out there and pray. One of the uh, one of the accounts of the children being brought to Jesus and the disciples rebuking the ones who brought the children and Jesus telling them Jesus prayed over those children. So prayer. Um, I'm not going to spend as much time on this one as I am the second point, um, just because that has been our theme all year. But the next point uh, dovetails beautifully with this last passage in Matthew 19. I told you to, uh, at the beginning, I told you to turn and mark in your Bibles uh, Matthew the 18th chapter. And in Matthew, the 18th chapter, beginning in the first verse, it says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a small child and had him stand among them. Truly, I tell you, he said, unless you turn and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child, this one is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And another example there in Mark 10, the 13th verse, he says, And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Jesus, every, every time this happened, or every account that we have of this happening, Jesus equates being like little children with access to the kingdom of heaven. You must do this to get this. So that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning and some practical application. Because what, what, what does this mean? Right to be like little children. Why does God teach us to be like little children? Well, the obvious answer is God wants to be our loving Father. He wants to be our loving Father, so He wants us to be like His loving children. We understand that relationship um, because of our relationship uh, with our with our parents, with our fathers and mothers. 
Uh, even if we had uh, daddy issues, so to speak, with our earthly parents, we still recognize God still put that inside us, uh, what it's like, what we should have had, right? Um, that's part of what causes that rift. Uh, in Matthew 7, uh, verses 9 11, I've got it up to the screen, but you're welcome to turn there if you wish. Who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven get good th- give good things to those who ask him? We know by comparison, right? We look at ourselves and, and, and how we treat our children, and we know by comparison we're nothing compared to Father, to Heavenly Father. God is that good Father, and He knows that we understand uh, the depth of love, grace, provision, care, and protection He gives to His children because we know what we want for our children, right? We know we want them to have every opportunity for excellence in this life. So what does it mean to become like little children? This is, this is what I've been meditating on for quite some time. Because there's, there's an obvious, well, I can't be this, right? Um, it has to be something that's possible for adults to become like children, right? So we obviously can't become physically small again uh, or recapture the innocence that we had as children not knowing sin from righteousness. Um, So it obviously can't be that, right? God's not going to call us to something that is impossible. So what does it mean practically, realistically in our day-to-day lives? What does it mean to be like little children, right? And that's going to be our encouragement this morning. So in Matthew 18, Christ specifically points to the child's humility. He specifically points to the child's humility. Little children don't think so highly of themselves. But they don't think poorly of themselves either. And I think this is an important point. We can be like the little children. Too many of us are wholly self-deprecating. In other words, we put ourselves down to be humble. Well, that's not the humility Jesus is calling us to here. He's calling us to the humility of children. These children don't think any less of themselves when they do bad or anything like that. They think highly of others. They think highly of mom and dad. And they look to mom and dad for guidance. Okay, so let's translate that. We're God's children. Right? God is Heavenly Father. You sin when you fall short of His glory. Do you self-deprecate? Do you insult yourself? God's, do you insult a child of God? I don't say this to puff any of you up or to puff me up, right? We're all sinners. We're all broken. That's why we're here. 
right? I've heard it said multiple times, and I like it. You know, church is not for these holier-than-thou people. It's the hospital, right? We're a bunch of sick people, and we're trying to we're trying to make we're leaning on God to make us right. Okay. So the kind of humility that God wants is the same kind of humility that you want out of your kids. I don't want I don't want my daughter Penelope coming up to me telling me she's a terrible person. I would correct her immediately. Wouldn't you with your children? Of course you would. If you know, being evil, how to give good gifts to your children, how much more is Heavenly Father? Right? Intense, incredible faith. Unbelievable faith. To make this point, I asked my daughter, Penelope, who is five, I said, baby, is there anything daddy can't do? She said, nope. Just like that. Nope. I was like, good girl. But it's true. I think, I think Jesus, Jesus calls out little children for a reason. These little children think differently than adolescents or adults. There is nothing impossible for their dad, for their mom. Right? Nothing. Penelope asked me one day, she's like, she's like, Daddy, can we go to the moon tomorrow? The moon? Yeah, we can go. We'll just get a spaceship. It's no problem. <laughs> it, she just, because, because I'm Daddy. Because mommy's mommy. Like, she believes everything is possible. What are we called to believe about God? All things are possible through Christ. That's that little childlike faith. That's what Jesus is teaching. <laughs> Be like these little children. Intense, incredible faith. I started to try to say that uh, uh, some some parents might have used this this point here uh, for their own entertainment. Children believe pretty much anything you'll tell them. We call that gullibility. But I think we can take something from that. We ought to believe everything God tells us, right? That little childlike faith. That's that little childlike trust in Father God. Tap into that. Unconditional love and desire to please parents. Man, I love that. Oh, greatest thing about being a dad. I come home from work. My two older kids come running, screaming, hurting my ears. Daddy! Man, it's great. But here's where I might get choked up. What about when I discipline them? Because God's going to discipline us from time to time also, right? He's going to step on our toes. We're going to read scripture. We're going to hear a sermon. We're going to listen to a podcast and going to step all over our toes, right? Okay, so I have to discipline Penelope or Hawkins. Both of them do this. Penelope's five, Hawkins is three. They're crying. It's it's pitiful. Oh, Daddy, I'm sorry. 
Will you forgive me? Can I hug you? And my heart melts every single time. And I say, of course I forgive you. Come here. Give me a hug. And we just like melt into each other. When we come to God in prayer, saying, Father God, hug me. Please forgive me. I'm so sorry. He melts also. That's why God describes himself as Heavenly Father, so that we get it. It is so hard for us to our minds around this being that has always existed, that created everything from nothing by just talking, and then created us from what he had already created, right? By combining this, this physical carnal world and breathing a spirit into it making this unique being. I mean, intellectually, like, sure, we can get it. Like, we, we can line up the facts. But, I mean, understanding that, really? Oh, that is, that is difficult to wrap our minds around. But this relationship between the father and child, we get that. Even if you don't have kids, you can see that. I mean, they put it in sitcoms. They put it in movies. You can see it in brothers and sisters. You can see it in, in uh, cousins and um, nieces and nephews. Unconditional love. Even in the teeth of punishment. My children look at me in the eye and say, I love you, Daddy. Can I have a hug? Church, let me encourage you to adopt that love for Father God. Even teeth of you've sinned, you feel like at your absolute lowest. Bow your head. Look up to God. I don't care. <laughs> and say, I love you, Father. Please forgive me. Um, children are wholly dependent on their parents for every provision of life. Um, I like to think of my parenting style as a pretty simple sliding scale. I call it the sliding scale of peas. Uh, over here for you is protection. And then it slides over here to preparation. Right? And of course my fold is almost 100% protection, right? We are protecting that baby with every fiber of our being. She's home right now with two viruses and an ear infection. We're, <laughs> we're protecting that child, right? But as they get older to two years and three years and five and on down, well, we're tasked as parents to prepare them more for life. We're still protecting them some, um, but we prepare them for life, and so uh, the example here is great, especially with babies. Babies are one hundred percent dependent on their mothers, on their parents, 
for everything. Their sustenance, their warmth, their emotional fulfillment, every single thing. Food, clothing, shelter, emotional support. Children are 100% dependent on their families for that. Okay, let's translate that to our relationship with God. Where do I get my food? Well, I go to work and I have a paycheck. And I, no. Where do I get my clothing? Oh, well, I go to work and I get a paycheck. No. God is the source of every resource in your life. I'll say that again because it's quippy, so it might it might slip over top of you here. God is the source of every resource in your life. Children go to their parents for everything. Right? I'm in that stage of parenthood where my kids are just constantly bombarding me with questions and you know, Daddy, can I have this? Can I have chocolate milk? Can I have uh, ice cream? Can I have, can I have, can I have, can I have? Jesus told us to be like those little kids. We're supposed to talk to him all the time. What else do little kids do? Well, they tell on each other. <laughs> We're supposed to tell on ourselves. To God. We're supposed to share with God everything that bothers us. And finally, I don't I don't think I have it on here, but um, I wanted to say that uh, children are intensely proud of their parents. Intensely proud of their parents. Uh, everybody has heard a kid say in the in the school playground we might beat up your dad right that's a little aggressive okay but the idea is there right nobody can beat my dad nobody can beat my mom my parents are are our tops there's there's incredible pride uh in parents from their from their kids so i want to pivot very briefly to uh the evangelical side of this and then the lesson will be yours so, if we as children of God choose to be children of God and choose to have, choose to adopt those childlike attitudes towards God, we choose to pray nonstop, we choose to pray without ceasing, we choose to have the healthiest possible relationship with Heavenly Father that we possibly can have, what's that going to do for your influence? with the people you work with and the people you interact with and the people you stand in the grocery line with. People notice that kind of attitude. Because that kind of attitude isn't necessarily overt. You're not doing it to be seen. You're just doing it. Because God is your Father. And you have that childlike love, that childlike dedication to him. People are going to see that. People are going to want to know how you're so happy all the time. 
it's exhausting, they might say. They've just opened the door. Well, I'll tell you why I'm so happy. Because I've got the best father in the world. We call him Father God. And that opens the door for bringing more into this family. Yes, we're children of God. We're here to encourage one another, to build one another up in faith so that we can go out and make more disciples. So that is my encouragement to you this morning. Is to make it such that if you do have any, quote unquote, daddy issues, they're not with the father that matters. They're not with the father that can solve all of those problems. Choose to be a child of God and receive all the wealth of all the forms of provision that he provides. Children who have left the safety of Father God, the invitation of God is open to you also to come and to be childlike in your faith once more. If you remember back to when you were baptized, those of us who are Christians, if you remember remember that, uh, you remember that feeling when you came up out of that water of just, it's hard to describe. (laughs) It's otherworldly. Because that spirit realm invaded your life at that moment. And the way that we recapture that and relive that moment to moment, day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year, is by following Jesus' example to pray without ceasing and to be childlike in our dedication to God. If you're subject to God's invitation, won't you come as together we stand?